gains. Uh, hmm. Reminds me of, uh, you guys are familiar with uh, Joe and Chip Gaines, right? Uh, flipping houses or what is it? Uh, Joanna and Chip and Joanna Gaines. They're, they're, their last name is spelled with an E, so that, that's not the sermon series. We're not going to talk about Chip and Joanna, I know. Maybe next week. But you know what was interesting is um, whenever their uh, TV series was really hot and popular, in their uh, Magnolia, I think that's where they live, the thing that they kind of made really popular and popularized is like uh, reclaimed wood and re restoration to houses. And so they actually had an epidemic in their, um, in their town where people would go and actually steal all this old wood off of barns so they can be like Chip and Joanna and restore it. It was, it was, it, it became like a scandal because it was not just a few people. Uh, and it was not just for personal use where it's kind of like, hey, I just want a, a wall, you know, of, of re, uh, reclaimed wood. Huh? See what? All right. Okay. That would be weird if I knew what that was called. No. All right. We'll have a conversation with you next week about that. How about that? Uh, but... <laughs> But well, well, it became kind of an epidemic because people would actually, uh, everybody was so hungry for this uh, reclaimed wood, <clears throat> I'm going to keep my terminology, that they would actually go out and it was like they had to kind of like begin to enforce the law because that was like theft um, against something like this. Um, it's crazy. Our, our, our world is crazy. Um, so we're, you know, shows about reclaiming and uh, restoring um, homes, remodeling. I mean, we're just, we're still like sucking that all in. Uh, restoration of cars. Um, I do rest, I, I actually restore cars. Um, I, re, I, <laughs> I, uh, I buy cars from the salvage and hire someone to fix it up <laughs> and then redrive it. So, and my people have been doing that for 30 years here in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> but it's, it's amazing this concept of uh, reclaimed wood because, because now when we look at it, all of a sudden this wood is appealing and we see it again. But remember, originally this wood, it was put on something like a barn to serve a purpose. And it served its purpose, but then life and weather and usage and abusage took a big, it took a big hit based on those things and um, to, to such an extent where it began, began to be even be deformed and, uh, and people actually stopped seeing those, um, th that wood as valuable. And so it kind of got lost in this, you know, that's old, that's unusable, it's trash, it's garbage. And so for, for, for a long time, it's like it was once used and now because of its condition, because of its life course, um, it's firewood. Until a carpenter came by and took a second look at that wood and pulled it out of its context, cleaned it up a little bit, enhanced some of its features that life hit it with 
And after restoring and reclaiming it, people began to see it again. And not just to see it, but now those, that wood actually has much more value than it originally had. Now all of a sudden people are seeing what they once dismissed. What something that lost ground, uh, it served its purpose, and then it ceased to be of use. It ceased to be visible until, until it, it, it came into a carpenter's hands. And then a carpenter did what only a carpenter can do. Restores it. Reclaims it. And all of a sudden, everybody wants a piece of it. I think it's so, so amazing because, man, I think that that speaks, that speaks about our life almost too verbatim. Like, we, we start out life and life is good. There's purpose. There's a future. There's a destiny. We're excited. Things are going well. And then we sit there and people see us. They notice us. They chat with us. And after a while, people don't see us as they used to see us. They don't hang out with us as they used to hang out with us and then maybe some kids come along and throw some rocks shoot some BB guns into your life and now you have scars now you've lost the color in your skin you've been used up and abused and and now because people don't see value in on your life you maybe begin to not see value in your life either and so in those moments, we lose maybe the ground that we once had. And we begin to think thoughts that so many people think that I don't have, a, I don't have purpose in my life, that, that I'm already too old to do X, Y, and Z, that I'm just not good enough, I, I don't measure up, and social media does not help. You know, I think it's amazing if you really dive into how much satisfaction we get from people liking a fake version of our life on Instagram or Facebook. I mean, that like brings us joy and value. And as quickly as this value comes to our life, it leaves just as quickly because then we scroll down and see somebody else doing it better and having more likes and more responses. And so we pay people money to get people to follow our Instagram pages so we can have more likes and have more followers and find more significant and value we know the real us but we want people to look at us and say oh wow people are following you I, I mean I've done that you know I, I've um, I, I had a lot of people begin to like my Facebook page uh, from India and Africa and so um, I became very really valuable so I, I created another page a public figure page and um, and all those likes and and comments soon faded away because then you know then I realized that I'm not as interesting as I thought I once was especially not to those who live in Africa and and India and not a, not not too many of you like my stuff either so uh, it kind of I gained some ground and I lost all the ground and so now I'm just um, you know just Jesus relying on Jesus uh, to bring me value but um, I love this concept of this word because uh, it, it takes in the right hands 
something that had value becomes even more valuable because of life. And I think one of the big lies that we believe is that because of our life, because of the decisions that we may have made or people have made against us, we, we may feel like that that has taken value from us. And that is a really, really bad place to be because, because then we don't, we don't live for tomorrow. We barely live for today. And many of us dwell in our past, the good old days of how things used to be. I think, I mean, this is why, like, we like shows like, you know, I don't know, Andy Griffith's show. For example, just a random example. We like that simplicity of life where things were, you know, so easy. And we look at that, like the family values. You had dinners every night, you know. And then they were just like, you know, you, you just, you know, all the problems are solved within 30 minutes. You know, that life were like, ah, oh, it's amazing. They had respect for their elders. And, you know, they went to church and they talked about Jesus. And they actually frowned you know, upon language. And, uh, and people were just like content. They weren't filthy rich, but they were just like content in community. You know, and so we look at that and we're like, oh, that is so good. And then we don't think about the fact that they did not have air conditioning. <laughs> right? They didn't have phones. Like, you could not connect with anyone except if someone came to your village. So, you know, we, we tend to just take, we, we tend to take like the, the I don't know if I'm going to get through here today. <laughs> Point being is that somewhere along the way, we, we kind of lose significance and, and value. And, and the, the language I want to use for that is, is we actually end up losing ground. Maybe all these things that we worked for and all of a sudden we wake up one day and it's like all of it is gone. All of it is meaningless. It's like we're back to where we started. Who's ever been there? You work so hard. You work so hard and all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, what a waste. And that actually triggers our relationship with Jesus because then we blame Jesus for not meeting our expectation because we're disappointed. We had one expectation and our reality is here and we're like, Jesus, why didn't you do what I think that you should have done? And that puts us in a place where it creates bitterness and distaste for life and this like drive for I you know drive that would that either kind of like bury you bury your head in the sand or you basically say I'm just gonna do this all on my own I don't need none of y'all right who's ever been there or wanted to or who knows somebody you're like yeah reminds me of my spouse <laughs> but you know that is part of life we all we all get there and what I want to talk about today is the gains and losses there are times in our life where we've gained ground and we feel good and there are other times where we've lost ground. And life will be to where days or months or seasons where we're just losing ground and, mo and moments where we are gaining ground. But the real underlying question of all that is no matter the circumstances, no matter the things that we have lost or gained in our life, the real question is how does it affect the gains and the losses in the relationship with Jesus? When life is not good, how much ground do you lose in your relationship with Jesus? Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 through 20. 
from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of God, or because the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he, and you see, I wanted to read that because I think that's really, really, really important that we continue to think kingdom. Continue to think repent. Change our thinking. I mean, that's vital that we keep on reminding ourselves. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Now, what's interesting just in the setup of this, they're businessmen, and so in their particular situation, Jesus actually calls them to leave all of their gain to follow Jesus, who will hopefully bring different type of gain in their life so in this season they had to almost lose one aspect in order to gain another aspect and now what's interesting is that Andrew and Peter and some others step into this invitation to follow Jesus and they follow Jesus for three years now let me ask you would your life be significantly different if you would follow Jesus every day for three years? Do you think you would experience more losses or gains if you're following Jesus every single day? All right. So, so looking back at like Peter's life and the apostles' life and the disciples' life, we know, we see that because they were with Jesus, there were a lot of gains in their life. Peter, he was a fisherman. And I said this a few weeks ago. He probably had a potty mouth. And he probably was very brash, impatient, unconsiderate, probably driven to succeed. And not that that's bad, but it... But, but when, you, when, your drive, when your drive is to succeed, to make money, to, 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 you know, to pursue something like he did with a business, it takes, it, it, it brings in some good aspects to your life, but it also enhances some of the bad aspects, the bad character parts in your life. So as he's walking with Jesus, he has, he's, he's gaining in those areas that are more significant in his life. I can just imagine Peter becoming more loving. I imagine Peter, Peter's mind begins to renew more and more. He begins to repent more and more, shift his thinking about, uh, about all, a lot of things. Because we know Peter, he's always the one asking questions. Jesus, I don't get it. Jesus, what do you mean by that? Jesus, why are you always talking in parables? Like, we're like the in crowd. Like, like don't make us look so bad out there. Please tell us, let us know, give us like a little FYI. We're like your inner group. So he's asking all these questions. And because he was like, because Jesus took Peter as Peter was and allowed Peter to be himself in Jesus' presence, he was genuinely able to take a lot of ground in the three years that he was following Jesus. And it's easy for us to conclude that 
Because we're looking back and seeing Peter's life. We're looking back at the byproduct of those gains. Because we're living in the ripple effect of the gains of Peter and Andrew and the disciples and apostles and the early church and the forefathers of our faith. We're living in that. So we see that, but then we fail to see that we actually have gains if we do the same thing. But what's even worse is something that will happen to probably most of us here. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. By this time, Peter has seen Jesus do all sorts of things. He's all in. Like, he's probably the most dedicated person of the whole bunch. That says something. Because as a person who owns a business, you can't do it half-heartedly. You can't just be like, well, I'll give it a shot. You can't do it. You have to be like, I'm going all in. So with Jesus, he had to do the same thing. He went all in. After three years, we have this exchange. Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, Jesus, you're so negative. Be a positive thinker, Jesus. This is not helping Peter. It says, you will mess up, Peter. But when you are back, strengthen your brothers. And Peter, and this is just, this is his character. Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Like he's saying, Jesus, dude, dude, I gotcha, man. I got you. I don't know about those fellas, but I, I got you. This is not cockiness. This is speaking from his life experience. All of the gain that he has seen is in his life. The logical conclusion that he's coming to say, Jesus, I will never do what you're saying that I'm going to do. And when we begin to experience life with Jesus, that is the mindset that we have. There's the mindset that says, in this moment, because Jesus has answered a prayer, because Jesus has come through, oh, this is it. I will never, ever waver or doubt or lose ground in my relationship with Jesus. Because this is it. Like, this is staring at me in the face. Verse 33, Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then Jesus is like, you know, okay, let's give you some more positive thinking and positive talking. I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today. If you think you're such a hothead, I'm actually talking about today, not tomorrow. Today, you feel like you have the world and you're riding the waves. And in that same day, he's saying, today, you will deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times. 
this means that this is not a denial based on an explosion. Oh God, you never do anything for me. I'm so mad. Okay, once. Second time, they're more, it's more conscious. But the third time, this brings Peter into a state of intentionality. Luke 22, 54 through 62. And I think this gives us a little bit of insight into what happened to Peter. They seized him, meaning Jesus, led him away and brought him into the, um, the high priest's house. Meanwhile, good old Peter was following at a distance. We see here Peter following Jesus, just following him how he was supposed to follow him. Gained so much ground, but now we see this transition to where he's not like the other guys. They all fled. But Peter's justifying himself and saying, I'm just going to keep my distance. And I really believe this is sad picture and state of the church. I'm not, all, I'm not going all out and denying my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who secured my eternity when I die. And I'm just going to follow him from a distance. When it's convenient, I'm going to get close. When it's inconvenient, I'm going to distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the, co the courtyard and sat together, and Peter, was, Peter sat among them. Verse 56, when a servant saw him sitting in the light, that's pretty cool. You are the light. Be the light. Peter's in the light. So he's exposed. Wow. And she looked closely at him. <laughs> she stared. This man was with him too. Verse 57, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them too. Man, I am not. We used to roll, but not today. <laughs> this morning, whoo, but now, well. About an hour later, about an hour later you see this is not just Peter like in the moment where he explodes where he curses where he he does something bad or sinful or is just in the heat of you know flipping somebody off that cuts in front of you it's not one of those where you're like oh oh I, no this was like an hour after he already denied knowing Jesus twice an hour goes by Another kept insisting, this man was certainly, certainly with him, since he's also a Galilean. You know, 
this is a double-edged sword. Before this day, this was a big blessing and a big benefit to be associated with Jesus, who was a world changer. Yes, imagine if people came to you and said, oh, you were with him too, weren't you? <laughs> Cutting somebody off like at the grocery store, and then you find out that they go to church. Oh, you were with Jesus too, weren't you? So he's like, uh, not today. <laughs> I swear. I'm following Jesus at a distance right this moment. Life is just too unpredictable. But being honored with knowing Jesus and having people identify you with Jesus, we don't get a lot of that. Even from those who claim to follow him. Verse 60, but Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Completely oblivious. I'm going to play a two-year-old. I didn't do it. We, we, we think of Peter as like, I'll say, I'll say this word again, but like as a hillbilly, like, oh, just going with the flow. No, Peter was smart. He was savage when it comes down to business he owned boats he made a living so for him to stoop down to such a low and say i don't know what you're talking about from confidence to passiveness immediately while he was still speaking a rooster crowed verse 61 then the lord turned and looked at Peter I think that's probably the worst part of the whole thing because we can deny Jesus when no one's looking but when you're doing all these things that you think no one's looking you turn around and your three-year-old kids looking at you like what was that <laughs> you're like what don't look at me like it's like Peter got caught red-handed And at that look, Peter remembered the word of the Lord. And, and he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitter, bitterly. And I read this before. As I was reading this, for talking about it this morning, man, I just, I got, I got really, really emotional just about like this part. I mean, not just to read that he wept bitterly. The question is, why is he weeping bitterly? And we know how the story ends, so I think we dismiss these real times, these real moments in people's lives so much similar to our lives that we overlook these details that are so vital for us to absorb and let them sink in. This one verse 62, do you know what it is talking about? And he went outside and wept bitterly. Do you know what, is, what that's talking about? 
I mean, he's sad, yeah, but Jesus already told him. So, you know, he's like, well, all right, Lord. I'm a Calvinist. You told me I did it. There we go. But the reality of what just happened is this. All of the things that Peter had gained over the three years that he was with Jesus, he lost in one day. In one day, he lost three years of gains. He lost three years of gaining the ground that he has gained. Three years, he realized, like, I just, what happened? I thought the Lord was, I, I thought, surely God, not me. They, I understand, but not me. And he probably never heard the crows crowing the same way for the rest of his life. Jesus could have been vague with him and said, hey, today you're just going to... Or he could have said, Peter, I know what you're saying that you're going to die for me, but I got to tell you, you lying, son. You lying. But because this whole thing was so specific, he forgot the fact that Jesus said, but I prayed for you, Peter. So the question is, man, we're out of time. <laughs> to be continued no I'm just joking the question is how much ground have you lost how much ground have you you gained and you were satisfied with and then maybe in one decision it all just disintegrated and disappeared and you woke up and you looked yourself in the mirror and you say, you're a screw up. And before, and we can talk about your careers and jobs and finances and your purposes in your life, what God wants you to accomplish. The vision God has for your life what I want to address right now is not those things we'll talk about those things in the coming weeks but today how much ground have you lost in your relationship with Jesus if zero is my relationship is non-existent and ten is the best relationship I've ever had. What number are you? What number are you? In this moment, in this verse, Peter went from a 10 to a zero. It took him three years to get to a 10 and one day to get back 
to where he started even worse because now he has tasted and seen and now not experiencing something is one thing but feeling like you've wasted your life is a whole nother psychological trauma you can say between zero and ten this is what God has to convict us today because I think most of us if not all of us are probably somewhere between zero and ten and if you are somewhere between zero and ten what you're saying is that you have lost ground maybe that's why you're not crazy about worshiping or coming to church in this setting reading the Bible maybe that's why you have not say signed up to our echo prayer feed or you've neglected to continue reading after you read Job's life <laughs> right I mean right because you look at Job you look like, Job you wasted your life and you like that's how I feel maybe that's why you're not burning how you used to Maybe that's why you quit believing for greater things in your life. Maybe that's why you fail to see Jesus' importance in your life in every situation. Maybe that's why your feelings rule your life. Maybe the reason is that you lost ground. And today's challenge is to take back the ground that you lost Satan's trickery plan is to move you from old to new from old to new and so just because something is new and fresh and exciting we feel like we're winning but if you want to be a real winner, don't just take new ground in replacing it with the ground that you lost, but take back the ground that you lost as you move into taking new ground. This message is like, I mean, like yesterday, Maria was asking me, so Sergio, what are you going to talk about? What are you talking about? And I mean, in my mind, just think of Spider-Man like just I can go anywhere I, I mean you can literally talk about anything and what's hard is not knowing exactly what God wants to say this morning and it wasn't until in the evening last night where looking at all, at all this it's kind of just like like this weight like came on me like to say there is a lot of change that's getting ready to happen that's already begun happening within our church and it's gonna be so easy for us to say well let's just count our losses and move on and God's saying don't count your losses take those losses back and then you will be able to step into new ground and new territory this is why our churches and our Christians are not successful this is why we're not influential because we're taking new ground but we're also losing ground at the same exchange 
You know, we replaced our services from hymns to modern worship music. And people are still not as on fire for God as we want them to be. The church is still not as impactful and influential as I believe God has designed us to be. So this message is for today. This message is for you. This message is for me to, to evaluate and be challenged by the ground that we lost and say, God, I am going to take the ground that I lost even more clearly. Take back the ground that was taken from you. Don't be just like, oh God, if it's your will. No, go back to the ground that you lost and say, no, I'm not leaving. I'm taking this back. Read one more scripture. Because we're in church. I love this because this kind of brings it all back as Jesus a carpenter looking at our life the ground that we've lost like the wood we're just battered and and we like we were once so excited about everything and now look at us we've we lost color we're beat up we're damaged goods we failed at all we, we failed it it was good at one point but today feels like I wasted my life as a as a piece of wood because it's just I was exposed to all the elements, I was exposed to all the usage and the abusage of all this stuff and now the newer, greater, fresher thing is on the other side and, and, and we're in this place where we're like, we, we, we blew it. And no wonder we read that Peter, he went back to what God called him from without any success and God met him. In the place where Peter was like, oh, that's it, that's it. I'm only going to do what I know what to do. All the three years was wasted. My whole pursuit of my future is all wasted and gone. And, and this is where we pick this thing up in John chapter 21, verse 15 through 19. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus surprised them. Like, hey, <laughs> they're fishing, they're doing their thing, being completely unsuccessful. When Jesus was last with them fishing, they brought in a load. They like, they hit the jackpot and Jesus asked them to leave it. And now they're doing the same thing and outside of God's will and they can't, can't catch nothing. But then Jesus is like, hey, you guys caught anything? They're like, nope. Come on back. And Jesus already had a table set for them. This is where we pick up. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, I got to say, this would be the most awkward breakfast with Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you know, like before, when Jesus, when, whenever they were out in, in, in the storm and Jesus came wa walking into the boat, Peter was like, that's Jesus. Hey, I want to come to you. Now he's not so quick to go to Jesus. So they wheel their boat in. Can you just imagine? Man, that smells good. We didn't catch nothing. I am starving. I am. This is breakfast, so just a weird, weird, weird breakfast with Jesus. I just, awkward. Jesus, son of John, do you love me more than these? Oh, and he says this three times and can't get into it right now. 
But I think that is the question he's posing to us. You know, if you're at five or six or eight or even ten, and if life has beaten you up left and right, up and down, bruised, whatever, Jesus is posing the same question. Do you still like me? Do you still love me? Last time, Peter was following Jesus from a distance. Now they're, on, now they're in close face-to-face -face proximity. Jesus is not going to be, yo, Peter, I know you're following me from a distance. Yo, dog, do you love me? Jesus wants to get up in your face and ask you the question that you have already answered wrongly because you believed a lie. Peter's like, my denying you is not me saying that I don't love you. Life just hit me upside the head. And I flaked out intentionally. So Jesus just wants to kind of, like a fisherman does, say, yeah, I'll tell you what, if you follow me, I will bring more value to your broken life after I'm done with you than what you originally thought you would get without me. Okay. Everybody up on your feet. Actually, you know what? No, no, hold on, hold on. Sit, sit down. I just want to, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. This is such a tender moment. Like, I just ruined the moment. No, I didn't. I want you to stand up if today you're going to say, my relationship with God is somewhere between zero and ten, and you acknowledge that I've lost ground in my relationship with Jesus, but I'm going to take it back. So in a count to three, in a count to three, and you'll be baptized. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so in a count to three, one, two, three. We're gonna do a song, but we're not gonna do a song. We're just gonna we're just gonna wrap it up right here and now, like this. This is your first step in repentance. You getting up is saying, God, I've messed up. I lost ground. Ground was taken from me. But I'm making a decision to retake that ground in my relationship with you. This is what this stand means. Father, I thank you for the boldness and the courage in everyone who stood up this morning. Thank you, God, for not leaving us where we were. But I ask that you take our repentance right here and now. 
And as we draw close to you, lead us into the greatness that you have for us. We are not going to be passively losing territory, losing ground, or going backwards. We're going to retake and reclaim what is ours as we move forward in the future and what you have for us. Let hope begin to arise within each and every person. Let purpose begin to arise within each and every one of us. Let the future never be so brighter as it is right now. The future is ours because you're in the future. God, I thank you for each and every person that is here, God. I thank you for what this has sparked, what this has inspired, what this has ignited. And we believe that greater things are going to be coming our way with each and every step that we take. In Jesus' mighty, holy high name amen and as if you're just here right now if you don't know who this jesus is i want to give you an opportunity to either say jesus become my king my savior my lord for the very first time or maybe you were at a 10 and you're like at zero and minus five or minus 10 and you just need to say god i blah, i just butchered it all and i just want to regain everything that i used to have and then some i want to pray for you and I need you to actually pray with me and acknowledge where you are so God can begin to move, even continue to move. And just repeat after me, Father, I give you my life. I've lost a lot of territory, a lot of ground, and all sorts of things in my life. But I want to reclaim them. But I want you to reclaim them. So I submit my life Take me, lead me, mold me, wash me of my sin, wash me with your blood. Thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.